Hello and welcome to this Head Talks podcast. I'm Terry Stiastny and I've been talking to Jamie Catto. He's a musician, filmmaker and the author of Insanely Gifted, a book subtitled Turn Your Demons into Creative Rocket Fuel. He also teaches and runs workshops on personal transformation. I'm Jamie Catto. I do many things. Uh, I just really want to have the biggest, most positive impact uh, on everyone I meet or, or on the whole planet to lift them out of this edited, appropriate, limited, vanilla, scared way of living. And through my movies like One Giant Leap and Becoming Nobody or my albums musically and through workshops, Transforming Shadows and my book Insanely Gifted through all media that I can that I can harness. I just want to sort of, you know, playfully, irreverently, safely wake everybody up out of the stupor of terror and limitation as much as I possibly can. You just used the expression there, a scared way of living. What do you mean by that? And what do you think is wrong with the way that most of us live? Everybody has been so brainwashed through their childhood to never look vulnerable, never show their true feelings, never cry publicly, never be angry. You know, everyone's been kind of brainwashed to, to have to just show and embody a tiny percentage of the full human spectrum. It's this minutely, um, yeah, terrified of being seen. People are terrified to speak in public, terrified for people to know how they really feel, terrified of looking vulnerable or looking weak, terrified of being honest terrified of their sexuality uh, because they were told it was dirty when they were little, terrified of dancing, terrified of wearing the bright colours or being extrovert because it means they're an attention whore. They've just been shut down in so many of the vibrant, visceral aliveness of being a human. What was it that first made you interested in this and what made you want to do something about it in your own life and the lives of others? My whole life. Yeah, my whole childhood of being shut down myself and seeing other people being shut down and treated violently or emotionally exiled, the dishonesty of everybody pretending to be one thing and hiding another is exhausting. This legitimized mask wearing, everyone being so fake, you know, my whole life of observing that and feeling suffocated by it really is what's inspired me. So how do you put that into practice? What made you look at sort of the mind-body connection aspect of this, the connection between the way we behave and those sensations within our bodies? Well, it's that feeling of claustrophobia or that feeling of shame when we want to be a bit extrovert or that feeling of terror when we're about to speak publicly or someone asks us to give a speech or, you know, it's all very embodied. Um, And when we meet it in the body, we have a good chance to decide whether we want to allow that bodily sensation to be our compass and that terror to keep shutting us down and making us not show up for things which where our aliveness can be experienced. So through workshops like Transforming Shadows, getting everyone in the room and all having a good laugh about this fact, you know, really lightening up about it, not making it like some heavy problem, but just all laughing about the fact that look how fake we all are, look how uptight we all are, look how scared we all are and it's not just you everyone lives it in such isolation but when we all have a chat about it in a group and a bit of a giggle and send ourselves up and be fallible and messy and playful with it god the 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 amount of weight on our shoulders and our hearts just lightens up and everybody goes oh you as well oh thank god and this kind of beautiful intimate permission pervades the space so you've done a lot of work on creativity 
tell me a bit about your method for accessing that creative part of yourself, if you like. Well, it's it's like the access of it is doing what I just said, is that when it's not about kind of you have to put anything in. It's just that when you lessen the shields and the masks and the locked doors and the turning away and the terror, when you when that begins to dissolve, the creativity rushes through all by itself. It's not like you have to go and find it or access it. All you have to do is dissolve what's in the way of it and it powers through. And we do that with lots and lots of fun games, um, lots and lots of lovely discussions, intimacy, confession, fessing up, dancing, you know, and, and, and in very small steps, you know, we don't go deep scuba, we snorkel around the edge just by having a very simple conversation, honestly, with each other. Yeah, it, the dissolving happens all by itself. The body's healing system, life's genius itself, is trying to dissolve this stuff. It doesn't need much invitation. So to me, I suppose this sort of slightly reminds me of a drama workshop where you would start off by maybe lying on the floor, concentrating on your breathing before you then go on to try to access different characters in a sort of an improvisation, perhaps. Is your approach like that at all? It came from conversations. It's not lying on your back on the floor breathing. That's very little to do with what I've just been talking about. Although it helps to do that if you want, if you are not used to accessing the inside of your body and how it feels. It's more just having a level of, first of all, honesty to show. I create a space in the workshops where we all are so playful and so kind of like human and unpretentious that no one feels a great big barrier to chatting honestly about what their life's like and and all the ways they hide and when other people are also talking about it everyone goes oh wow me too it's more about just like having conversations then playing little games where we ask each other conversations we might have a bit of eye contact we might see what comes up in our body we just kind of experiment with gentle curiosity and turn towards some of the parts of ourselves that most people in a knee-jerk way turn away from so we're all very used to sort of turning away from our vulnerability and hiding it and feeling ashamed of it. What we do on the workshops is we very gently turn towards it with a sense of welcome and curiosity. And then we realize it's not some huge demon. It's just a little part of ourselves that needs a cuddle, needs a little bit of attention, needs a bit of permission. So can you give me an example of how that might work with something that someone might bring up? Yeah. Okay, so let's say I was working with you. I would say to you, think of a dysfunctional pattern that you keep repeating that you've never really managed to shift, a, a behavioural reaction that you just keep doing and you always have done it. Me? Uh, so okay. Thought uh, one? I, I like being early for things. I get quite stressed about punctuality um, and I worry about being late and about things going wrong. Okay, perfect example. Okay, so I would say your catastrophizing, terrified of being late one that lives in you, I would say when she gets triggered, it's almost like you become someone else. Is that fair to say? Like suddenly you're stressed, you've got different values of things that must and must happen and urgency, and it's not your normal everyday Terry equanimity self. Would that be fair to say? Okay, so it's like a different character jumps in and grabs the wheel. And we all have these little characters that are like our bodyguards that we set in place when we were younger to protect us. So what I would share with you and explore with you is if you imagine that character that you become when you get triggered into being late or things going wrong and that kind of catastrophe. That's interesting. I suppose what comes up is a kind of image of this sort of mental, you know, a John Cleese kind of character liking Clockwise who's really panicking about being late and about everything that's going to go wrong if they are late. If you imagine it's a character that grabs the wheel um 
yes, you're, I know you're not enjoying that character and the way it's acting out in your life now, but we all created these characters long ago in our lives when we actually needed one like that, we thought, to survive or to be protected. So instead of you looking at that character as something you don't want anymore, a dysfunction, something we're trying to get rid of, I would first get you to look at the fact of, actually, Terry, didn't you once actually create this character because you felt you needed it in order to survive? That's, yeah, probably, yeah. From being hurried along as a child, from not wanting to get into trouble for being late, not wanting to get shamed, exiled. Would you say that that's possible? Mm-hmm. Can you see how that character is actually, that the one that lives in you, is, act- is actually trying to help you? Uh, yes, because, you know, if I'm late, things, things, will go, things will go wrong. I'm, yes, like you say, I'm, I'm going to be in trouble. And, uh, yeah, my interview won't happen and uh, other things won't happen in, and bad things will follow from that. So. Yeah, but probably not as bad as that character's feeling. Probably not. Probably not. So our job isn't to push away that character and try and get rid of it. Our job really is to thank it. And just let it know, hey, I'm an adult now. I can take care of being on time or not being on time. It's not your job anymore. That character has been trying to protect you since you were a little child because we never gave it any any new data. So it's gone, you know, when you were five, six, ten years old, whatever, you were like, I must be late, you know, like, and, and it, that young part of you still thinks it's its job to protect you from the calamity of being late. When really, as an adult, you know, first of all, if you're late, it won't be the huge calamity that that character thinks it will be. And that it's your job as an adult now to protect you against the lateness, not that little eight-year-old. So what we do is we cuddle that eight-year-old. We have a chat with that eight-year-old. We say to it, hey, it's not your job anymore. You can relax. I'm an adult. I'll take care of whether we're late or not late. And it's not going to be the big deal you think it is. And I'm sorry that I took this long to relieve you of duty. And that's kind of the vague area and the vague way we do it is we find those characters that are trying to protect us still working from data we gave them when we were children we bring them back into 2021 where they're safe and let them know that we're the adult they can get on with having a childhood so is this kind of work just for people who are working in a creative field or is it something that's for everyone it's for everybody it's not you know i i don't only work with creative people at all it's a small percentage of who i work with it's for every single human who's in this situation of wearing masks, shutting themselves down, scared of their vulnerability, scared of their creativity because they were told that they were attention-seeking or something shameful about having the limelight for a moment. But it's very far from just creativity. This is something that every human is dealing with, suppressing all kinds of parts of themselves that they put into what we call the shadow, hidden away in the shadows. The shadow isn't the dark side, it's the hidden away side. We hide things in the shadows that we don't want other people to see, that, that have, you know, that we're thinking that we're unwelcome. Um, and everyone has that, not just creative people. And I suppose, you know, maybe this is, you know, one of my own characters speaking here. You, I mean, you could say that, you know, sort of a, a, a quiet and sort of tolerant society is kind of based on everybody not expressing what they think and what they feel the whole time, because that allows us to get on with each other because you might say look if i you know saw this person's deepest soul all the time in the street uh, we wouldn't get on and people wouldn't behave in a reasonable manner is what's your sort of counter argument to that i think that's bullshit that it goes from one to a hundred that either it's zero or it's a hundred percent upsetting people there's a huge amount in between of just authenticity i think we would get on much better with each other if we told the truth to each other it doesn't mean that 
you have to take it all the way to 100 and say, oh, I think you look fat in that dress. You know, it's not like you have to go all the way to a million, but 90% of all the fucking stuff that we don't share, I feel vulnerable today. Oh, I'm feeling depressed. I feel like I need some support. I feel like I don't know what's going on. I feel there's a million things we could share with each other that aren't just going all the way along to it would upset each other if we said it. How do you balance that then? I suppose, you know, how do you know what the limits are? Just be sensible about it. Yes, I'm going to I'm going to share more vulnerability. I'm going to share more honesty about myself. I'm not going to say things which are just going to point blank upset everyone. And I'm going to read the room. You're sort of saying that sometimes there are these character, you know, different types of characters, different types of personality. What if do people ever say, look, look I I think I'm I'm just I'm more all surface, and I've there isn't an inner me that wants to get out that wants to behave in a different way, or is that just someone who's repressed that so much? Everybody's got anger. Everyone's got vulnerability. Everyone's got levels of excitement. Everybody's got the full spectrum of being a person. Much of it has been shut down, and and I don't want to force anyone. If someone, if you can look me in the eye and tell me that your sort of middle of the road appropriate way of presenting yourself, you're happy with that, and you know you're having a lovely life, and you you don't feel in any way limited, or you don't feel that the superficial slightly unintimate way of skipping along the surface with everyone how are you fine how are the kids fine see sunday fine. if you're happy with that i don't need you to change but most people when they're shown what it could be how vibrant life could be um realize how incredibly limited and how incredibly superficial and how incredibly lacking in potential and lacking in aliveness the usual appropriate conservative way everybody's operating is and and you know it's not just creative people that want to expand out of that i mean so the times we're living in at the moment this is obviously we're all in a really weird new situation over the last year or so uh, and people will be finding that hard to deal with in in many different ways uh, how can you help people to experience this in a way when, you know, we haven't got a lot of social connection outside of our own houses and we haven't, uh, we're kind of in a state of isolation. What can we deal with that comes up from that? Well, we do it on Zoom and it's amazing how intimate and how connected you can be on a Zoom call with a group of people or a breakout room where there's two or three of you or four of you. It's very much just like sitting around a table. Obviously, there are massive limitations to it because you can't smell and feel. And, you know, it's not as good as being in the room, but it's still pretty close. There's a lot of intimacy and a lot of deeper connection you can have on a screen in a, in a Zoom um, and on a phone and on a Skype call or whatever is your WhatsApp thing. You know, you can, there's a lot of connection we can have in the times where we can't have physical presence. And yes, it is a bit limiting, but again, it's not so limiting that it's not worth doing it's still very 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 rich as as my workshop show actually you know um it's really really been beautiful you know i have like sometimes even like 100 people on i do this thing twice a week called the lovely gathering which is a free event for people who are lonely and need human contact they all come on zoom and everyone shares a poem or a song or just how they're doing or they just lurk in the background and listen or they just, you know, whatever. And everyone is like, thank God for this space. You know, it's a real antidote to loneliness. Yes, I mean, I was going to say, you know, do you find that there is an extra sort of craving for people to have that kind of contact at the moment when we're cut off from so many of our normal experiences? 
Some people can go 1% more authentic. Some people can go 10%. Some people can go 50%. It's up to the individual and their comfort zone. I'm not wanting to drag anyone anywhere. But when we are a bit more authentic and sharing our vulnerabilities and our mess alongside our excitements a bit more, then it creates like a field of permission for the other people to not find it such a big deal. And it becomes very infectious. And, you know, how do you think that i suppose your way of working can can kind of help help people in the long term you know once we get back to some kind of a more normal way of life i suppose you wouldn't say you want to go back to a normal way of life you would like people to have a a bit more authentic way of life what do you think we can we can take from this and learn of course that's my whole mission my whole activism of my life is trying to create a whole world of people just being a bit more real with each other therefore they can receive a lot more support from each other therefore they can have a lot more intimacy with each other Co- connection is what human beings need gabor mate the wonderful trauma expert says safety is not the absence of threat it's the presence of connection we are all desperate for connection since we come out of our mother's womb touch um conversation eye contact we're all wired for connection and you see how in the lockdown, the domestic abuse rates have skyrocketed, the mental health problems have skyrocketed because no one has connection, you know, that's been massively, massively reduced. I'm all about connection. And connection comes from a, a higher level of authenticity. And as I said, I'm not saying going from one to 100. I'm just saying a little bit more and a little bit more, just, you know, tiny steps. That's lovely. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, if anybody wants to explore this with me, come to jamiecatto.com and join in. Everyone's welcome and no one has ever turned away for money reasons. Thanks for listening to this Head Talks podcast. We hope you found it helpful and interesting. You can find many more talks on our website at headtalks.com or listen to our podcasts on all the usual channels.